the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The Spirit of God which has been sent, not just to the general vicinity of where we are, but the Spirit of God who lives and dwells within us. Could you just applaud the Lord one more time? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. As Jonathan has already told you this morning, we are beginning our annual prayer emphasis begin this Wednesday night, March the 6th, and we will move forward with 40 days of prayer that will take us all the way up to Easter. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. We not only want you to pray, but we want you to know what prayer is and how to go about doing that and how that will be effective in your lives. So for those of you who came in late, if you need to get a manual, we have them back here in this corner that you can take. We're trying to start with one per family, but we realize that there might be some who would need a couple uh, because you're not together at the time that you can share. Um, But if you'd get one of these, let us know, and if we need more, we can get those pretty quickly. But I also wanted to let you know that you can get that on an app. All you have to do is go to the Apple store or the Android store and type in Seek God for the City 2019. It'll cost you a buck, but for a buck, you'll have the same thing on your phone that you can get in this booklet and you won't have to carry the book around. So for some of you younger ones, you might, uh, I mean, we live on our phones sometimes. We do our devotions on our phone. We do our Bible reading on our phones So if you're comfortable with that and you would prefer that, you can get that app on either store and uh, it's a dollar. Otherwise, we have the manuals available for you. Today, we're going to start what will be a six weeks series. We're going to stop in the middle. We've got a guest speaker that's going to come, uh, but we're going to do three weeks and then we'll come back and do three more weeks. We're going to talk about the various components of prayer and what it is. I think that prayer is one of those things that intimidates more people than just about anyone that, anything that I know. Uh, they don't mind coming to church. They don't mind being a part of a worship service. They don't mind singing. They don't mind uh, several aspects of worship. But when it comes to prayer, I have found that there are so many people that are intimidated by it. It's, it, it's like you feel like that if I don't do it right that God is going to be angry with me or he's going to be frustrated with me. And that's just simply not the case. Prayer is really in its simplest form, it is communicating with God. It's just talking to him. It's just letting him know how you feel and then pausing and listening and allowing him to speak to our spirit in such a way that it gives us understanding. It turns the light bulb on, if you will, and helps us to understand what his will is for our life. So there are many different components of prayer. And today I would like to talk about the component of praise and how praise works in prayer. So today, Luke chapter 11 Verses 1 through 4 is a very familiar passage of Scripture, one that most all of us would know, and many of you would be able to quote quite honestly. 
Uh, many of you could uh, do it in King James Version because you were probably taught to quote this <clears throat> all, to quote this all the way back in children's church. Um, I, when I'm uh, memorizing scripture many times, I try to do it in the King James Version just not because that's the only thing God accepts, but it's just it goes along with my tradition and my upbringing. It's easier for me. But whatever version that you use, this is one that you ought to commit to your memory. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say this, Father, hall- when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to worship together as the people of God. I'm delighted to be able to preach the word of God And to do so knowing that your word never returns to you void, but it always accomplishes everything that you send it forth to do in our lives. And so, Lord, it is with great expectation that we submit ourselves to your word today, knowing that as the word of God comes to us, it is designed to do a holy work in us. And we are careful to give you praise and glory and honor now. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you just turn around and look that way and say good morning to Jerry and Linda No as they make their way into the sanctuary. Amen. Did you drive through any snow? That's what I want to know. Good. Praise the Lord. Well, then let's don't speak of it. (laughs) We're delighted to see you all here today, and uh, I knew that you were in Kentucky. I just didn't know where you were in Kentucky, and Donna had said that you were in Central City and heading this direction this morning, and I am so delighted that you're here and that the Lord gave you traveling mercies. You are precious, precious people, and we love you so very much. Just wanted you to know that. What's that? Back at you, sister. (laughs) Those of you who know uh, Linda know that she's always got a back at you. Always has a back at you. We're delighted that you're here. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, as we've already read, I want to concentrate on verse 2 today. And talk about this idea of praise. And the first thing is, it says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And so I want us to talk about two components of prayer that make a huge difference when we go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to share these two things with you this morning. First of all, we need to understand that when we pray, we are praying to the Father in heaven. Now, some of you have a 
a bad memory or you've had a bad experience on this earth with a father. It, it may be that your father was not here when you needed him. It may be that he disappeared when the going got tough. It may been, uh, have been that he was very difficult to live with or hard or abusive or a strict disciplinarian. And I fully understand and realize today that when I talk about a father, that for many of you, it causes you to cringe it, it, it causes you to just want to step back because your relationship with your father was not the greatest. Others of you, all I have to do is say father and fond memories come to your mind. You remember your dad playing in the yard with you and, and playing hide and seek with you and coming to your ball games and doing all the things that fathers do when they're engaged in your life. So I fully understand and realize that there's all these different emotions and the spectrum that, that, that we're dealing with today. But what I want to share with you today is that when we talk about our heavenly father, then he is the ideal. He is the one that is perfect in every way. When we talk about a heavenly father, we're talking about one that has no discrepancies at all. He's not one who did not show up in your life. He did not leave you when you needed someone to be there. You may not have recognized his nearness or his closeness to you because of your circumstances, but I can assure you that if your spiritual eyes had been open at the time, you would have discovered that the Father was present with you in every circumstance and every situation that you have ever faced. I'm thankful that we're talking about a heavenly father today, not an earthly father. I'm thankful for the earthly fathers that were very good. And I'm sorry for those of you who did not have that. But even the best earthly father cannot compare to the heavenly father that we are in relationship with today. Jesus traveled and taught for three years when he was on the face of the earth. There are about 110 pages in the Bible that are dedicated to his ministry. Now, that depends on what kind of Bible that you have. Some versions are wordier than others, and some Bibles are thicker than others. And, and some Bibles, when you get my age and some of your ages, you need uh, giant print Bibles. How many of you are into the giant print stage? Let me see your hands. Uh, then it might be more than 110 pages. But for the average Bible, approximately 110 pages are dedicated to the ministry and message of Jesus Christ. We have approximately 25,000 words that Jesus spoke recorded in the Bible. Of those 25,000 words, Jesus taught about the Father at least... 181 times. So from all the words that are recorded of Jesus, at least 180 times he was referencing or giving us a revelation of who the Father is. So we have no business saying that I have no idea who the Father is, that I cannot understand the Father. Oh, oh yes, you can. <clears throat> because he has been revealed to us in Scripture. 
and Jesus was one of the ones who took the lead. Now, what that means is that for every 140 words that Jesus spoke, at least one of them was referencing the Heavenly Father. So the Heavenly Father was always on his mind. His relationship with the Father was such that he said, the things that you hear me say are the things that my Father has told me to say. If I say it, it came from him because I would not share anything or say anything unless and until the Father told me to say it. Wouldn't it be great if all of us would hold our tongue until the Spirit of God anointed us to speak? I'm going to tell you, there have been times in my life that I could have avoided a lot of trouble in my life if I'd have kept my mouth shut. But sometimes you just feel the need to say something when it really does not need to be said. And if we can learn how to live like Jesus did and and prioritize the words of the Father in our lives, then we can avoid a lot of problems. I'm looking at some spouses and some families out here today, and I, I know in your own mind you're thinking, if I'd have kept my mouth shut, we'd have never had to fight over that. Well, listen, we've all had those moments and we've all said things we shouldn't have said and we've all done things we shouldn't have done. And I'm glad today that there's forgiveness, aren't you? I'm glad that there's supernatural forgiveness, but I'm also glad that there is earthly forgiveness and that those that we're in relationship with, we can get forgiveness if we'll simply ask for it. So Jesus prioritized speaking about the Father. Now, I want to share a few verses with you uh, that are taken directly from the Word of God and have to do with the Father and His ministry among us. For instance, Matthew 6 and verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? That gives us the opportunity to look at any bird anywhere and say, God takes care of that bird. God is responsible for providing that bird everything that bird needs. And if God cares enough about that bird to take care of that bird, then I have to realize that he loves me far greater than that bird, and he will take care of me and meet every need that I have. Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 uh, through 15. And I really, I, I really want to talk about, I, I, I wrote this down wrong in my notes, and I know what it says here. It's talking about going after the sheep that is lost. It says, and if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that even one of these little ones should perish. Listen, if the Father cares about a little lost lamb, then surely he cares about you. Surely he loves you with an everlasting love and is willing to allow those who are mature in their faith in Christ 
He's allowed them to remain with the body so that he can come and chase you down and find you and wrap his arms of love around you and verify to you that you are his loved one. He loves you. Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend to them, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful even as your Father is merciful. I'm glad the Father has been merciful to me. It's not that the Father looks the other way and winks at sin or winks at failure. Instead, he picks us up. He brushes us off. He sets us back on our path. And he he lets us know that he loves us in spite of our failures. You know, I, I one of the things that grieves my heart so much, and I've said this to you just recently, is that when people give it a shot, <clears throat> they start walking with the Lord. They begin a relationship with the Lord, but then when the times get difficult, instead of staying with it, they give up. They say, I'm not made for this. This is too difficult for me. This is too hard for me. I can't be a Christian. I've tried. It just doesn't work for me. Let me tell you that the Lord is merciful. And if you fail, he's not going to kick you out of the club. He's going to restore you and redeem you by his blood. But you have to keep walking in relationship with him. Let me tell you, I have failed him so many times. I have fallen so many times. Just this week, my wife and I were going to Walmart. And I, I, as I've done for many years, I take her to the front door. I let her get out of the vehicle and then I go park and come in. And when I let her out, I came around and I was getting ready uh, to, to pull into a, a parking spot. And some young guy in a beat up old car tried to get in front of me. And, and, and so I just stopped so that he could go on by and he cut in front of me and parked in a space that I was going. And if that wasn't bad enough, he honked his horn at me and gave me one of those looks like, who do you think you are? And so I, 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 I have to admit, I wanted to whoop him. I, I just, I was in the super duty and I could have put it in four wheel drive and just pushed him all the way to the front. It wouldn't have been difficult at all. But I went around and, and, and I parked just a few spaces away from him. And when I got out of the car, he had not disembarked yet. And so being the way that I am, I walked over to his car. <clears throat> and I, you know, and it's like he got out and here's me and here's him. <laughs> he looked up at me and I, and I said, Excuse me, sir, I apologize for pulling out in front of you. I did not see you. But if I had seen you, I wouldn't have pulled out the way that I did. Will you forgive me? And he said, um, yes. <laughs> it's all right. I said, you know, I didn't know if you were going to jump out of the car with a gun and start shooting 
or not, and if I was going to have to come over here and lay hands on you or what, I said, but since we've settled this, then you go on in, I'll go on in, and everything will be fine. He found me later in the store, and he said, you know, he said, I'm so thankful that I didn't have a gun, you didn't have a gun. He said, this might have ended up much differently. And I said, well, I said, I would have probably more likely prayed for you than I would have laid hands on you. But sometimes we just get this thing on us, don't we? And we allow things to come up and spring up in us and, and it's just not representative of who we are in Christ. And so I'm glad to know that even when I fail and even when I slip up, that God still loves me with an everlasting love. Amen. And that he gives me what I have need of in terms of mercy. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you what? The kingdom. To give you what? The kingdom of God. I've got grandbabies that are into those little quarter things that you turn the knob, you know, and gumballs come out or sometimes these little uh, trinkets and toys come out. And just about every time now that we go somewhere, it's like, hey, Pops, you got any quarters? I can remember they used to be pennies and the nickels and now it's a quarter. And, I, and, and so when I do, I let them get it, you know, and, and they go in there and they, they turn it and they twist it and they get it out. And then they have whatever it is that they were seeking. But when the quarter's gone, the blessing is gone. Nothing else is going to come out of those machines because there's nothing left to use. But what this is saying to us is, is that the resources of our Heavenly Father never run dry. They never run out. We always have through Him everything that we have need of. It is His good pleasure to pour out the blessings of the kingdom upon us. John 14, 1 and 2 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Did you realize that right now that God is ordering up a mansion with your name on it? That he is preparing a place for you so that whenever your time on this earth is over, he will call you to himself and you will be able to spend eternity in the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom that is prepared for us. Amen. There are a lot of things we don't know about. I've had people through the years say, when I get to heaven, will I still be married? I've had a few of them say, I certainly hope not. I've had a few of them say, I don't know the answer to that. Am I going to be married? Am I going to be a man or am I going to be a woman? Am I going to have to wear clothes? Am I going to have angels' wings? Am I going to have a halo on my head? Listen, there are a lot of things that we don't know, but what we do know is that the Father is preparing a place for you so that where He is and where Jesus is, we will be able to spend eternity. Isn't that good news? John 16, 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and it believed that I came from God. If you want the Father to love you, the only thing you have to do is to love his Son. Love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, the Father will love you. Listen, I've got family that I'm close to. I love them. None of us are perfect. 
I'm close, but the rest of them, they've got a long way. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. None of us are perfect. All of us fall short at times. Now, let me tell you something. If you want me to love you, and if you want me to care about you, if you'll love my family, and if you'll regard them with the love that they need to be regarded with, I promise you that I'll have no problems loving you either. And it's the same with you. If you have children in your home, if your pastor didn't like them, if you brought them to church and I was constantly saying, that's the ugliest kid I've ever seen in my life. That's the naughtiest punk I've seen in a long time. He's got a big mouth on him. And, and, and she always sticks her gum up underneath the chairs. And I just don't care. If I was constantly on your child, you'd find a different place to go where a pastor cared and had compassion for your family. But listen, if I want you to love me, I know good and well that I need to love your family. I need to love your children because it's a godly model. Now, with all that said, I do love you. And I do love your children. And I am thrilled beyond words that the Lord has given me the opportunity to come and serve as your pastor. But what the writer is saying is, is that if you want to experience the love of the Father, all you have to do is love Jesus Christ. Because if you love Jesus Christ, you're loving the Son of the Father, and the Father will return that love to you. Matthew chapter 7 verses 9 through 11 says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God wants to bless you. He wants to be your Father. He wants you to understand that he is your father. He wants to relate to you with the ideal picture of what a father is to be. And he loves you. So to summarize today, we have a father who loves us. We have a father who is big enough to protect us. We have a father who is wise enough to teach us in everything that we need to know. We have a father who is tender enough to hug us when we're hurting. We have a father who is strong enough to discipline us when we're out of order. And we have a father who is close enough to feel our pain and to enjoy life together with us. Isn't that good news? We have a father. And then the second thing I want to share with you today is not only do we have a heavenly father, but there's a second phrase here that's very important, and it is that we have a hallowed name, a hallowed name. It says, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So this word hallowed has an, an air of respect and honor when you say the name of the Father, when you say the name of Jesus, you're speaking a name that has great power and authority. This word hallowed literally means to be sanctified or to be holy. Now, for those of you who are traditional old-time Pentecostals like I am, when you say that word sanctified, it kind of puts the fear of the Lord in you, doesn't it? 
Because sanctified was all about the rules that we kept. It's like, here's 10 rules that you have to keep. And if you don't keep this, these rules, then, then you're going to get in trouble. We, we can't let you experience the fullness of Christ if you don't keep all these rules. And so this word sanctified kind of is one of those words that we really don't like to hear. We don't really like to say the word holy. But, but really all this means is, is that if you are holy or if you are sanctified, you are set apart from others. You are set apart from others. So what he's trying to say to us is, is that this father that we just spoke of, this heavenly father, is set apart from all other gods, if you will. Now, there is no God like Jehovah. We were, we were at prayer conferences past week, the week before, and they sang that old song, uh, uh, what is it? The Days of Je Elijah. How many of you remember that? These are the days of Elijah. That's all I know about it, except for on the course, it says, there is no God like Jehovah. And if you didn't get it the first time, they'll say it again. There is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Jehovah. They sing it over and over and over again. And then you know how Pentecostals are. We can't sing a song just once. We have to sing it and sing it and sing it until somebody finally feels the Spirit. And so he said, there is no God like Jehovah. Well, I'm here to tell you today, there is no God like Jehovah. He is the only God. Amen. He is hallowed. Now, many people have a hollow experience with God. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a hallowed experience with God. You know the difference. A hollow Easter bunny looks good on the outside. But when you crack the head off that thing, there's nothing on the inside. How many of you know I'm right? I've eaten enough of them through the years that I can tell you that that is truth. It ought to be in the Bible. But it's not. You crack the head off that bunny and you can run your finger down in there looking for chocolate and you won't find any. Why? Because it's hollow. But they do make bunnies that are not hollow and they're chocolate all the way through. If you don't hear anything else that I say to you today, let me tell you that the God that we serve is not hollow. He's God all the way through. You'll never find a spot, spot where he is deficient, but he is God all the way through. I just thought of some old song. I don't even know. He's God on the platform. He's God back at the door. He's God in the bathroom, I guess. He's God in the, I don't even know. I don't even remember it. But the whole point of the song is that wherever you are and wherever God is, uh, he is there in his fullness. Amen. There's nothing hollow about God. Hollow, it is understood to mean holy or sanctified. Now, I'm going to make some of you mad right now. So go ahead and put your seatbelts on and get ready for it. We live in a society today that does not believe this. They do not believe that Jehovah is the only God. And I don't know why we wouldn't understand this because it's always been this way. 
You can go all the way back to the Old Testament and you'll find people who had their own gods. They made their own gods. They would melt down their jewelry and carve out trees and create gods that could not see and gods that could not hear and gods that could not speak. But they would bring them to their house of worship and set them up in such a way that they could worship a God that had absolutely no power and authority whatsoever. It's always been that way, and the same is true to today. There are people that you know, you may even have some that live in your household, that they have their own idols. They have their own gods. They may not even know that they're worshiping idols. They may not even know that they're serving idols. But I'm here to tell you that if anything sets itself before Jehovah God, it is an idol and not worthy of our worship and our acknowledgement. Holy, sanctified. Here's what's going to make you mad. A few years ago, a woman that we all know by the, by the name of Oprah Winfrey, started talking about this idea that there are multiple ways to God. It, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. We're all seeking the same thing. And that is some type of spiritual enlightenment. And so if you have your God and your God is different from my God and your God is different from our God, that's okay. Because we're all seeking the same thing, which is spiritual enlightenment. And that in and of itself is wrong. We're not seeking spiritual enlightenment. We're seeking the face of God. We're seeking the one way that salvation can be ours. You mean to tell me that, that I, can't, I can't worship Allah and, and get to heaven? No, you can't. You mean I can't believe in Muhammad and get to the same place? No, you can't. You mean I can't accept Joseph Smith, who is a prophet of God for the Mormon church, and they say that he is equal with Jesus that he's in the same likeness and manner of Jesus? You mean I can't, I can't worship him and accept him alongside Jesus and get to heaven? Listen, no, you can't. And so this world that we live in is trying to teach us that it doesn't matter which God you pick, we're all going to the same place anyway. And now on top of that, we've de decided that if God is a good God, we don't really have to serve him. We don't have to really accept him. We don't have to really repent of our sin because God is not going to send anybody to hell. We're all going to go to heaven. But I want to tell you that is a lie from the depths of hell that is going to cause a lot of people to end up in hell because they think that everything is all right. Like the old song we used to sing, rock and roll, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right, uh-huh. Well, Jesus is just all right, but you better repent of your sin, brothers and sisters, if you want to make heaven your home. Say, I haven't heard anything like that in a long time. Well, you just heard it right here. Go tell somebody. So back to the point I was making. 
Listen, it's time for us to stop listening to these celebrities, these politicians that are trying to tell us what's right and what's wrong. I don't care how much money they've gotten. I don't care how many TV shows they have. If their philosophies do not line up with the word of God, then they are not of God. And we are slapping God in the face if we do not love Jesus and Jesus only because his word declares there's only one way to the Father and it is through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Only one way. So it's a hallowed relationship, not a hollow one. A hallowed one. And then the next word that I want you to notice is the word name. Come help me quit if you will. I want to be a blessing to Bill today and quit early. (laughs) He's not only hallowed. But specifically, he's talking about the name. The name. The name. I was taught as a child that you never end a prayer without saying, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you were taught that way? Can I just tell you, it is absolutely unnecessary for you to do that. But with that said, if you do that... It's not a bad thing because it is a constant reminder that every prayer that we pray is because of the authority in the name of Jesus. We have great authority today. I don't know if you know that or not. We have great authority today because of the name of Jesus. His authority belongs to us. We have the right to use it. Let me see if I can explain it to you this way. His name is above all other names. His name always is greater and more powerful than any other name. How many of you have ever played Rook? Can I see your hands? I started to bring the whole deck. But I thought if I did bring the whole deck, I might want to break out and play a game. And then I would get caught up in the rook spirit and I wouldn't be able to stop. Back when my wife and I were younger, we used to play rook a lot. Now, there are various ways to play rook. Some play with the one being low, which means that the one doesn't have much power. But because we're Pentecostal, We want more cards to have more power, so we play the one high. So it serves as a a high card. When I was a state youth director, I used to have to travel all over the country and sometimes out of the country in order to do business on behalf of my territory. And it never failed. When we got finished with the work for the day, we'd meet somewhere down in the lobby of the hotel, all of us, somebody would reach back in their back pocket 
and they pull out a deck of root cards. And you could see everybody's smile come to their face. Let me tell you, I've wasted more nights playing rook than doing just about anything that I've ever done. Because there is something about playing rook that you just can't stop. You just want to play all night long. Because there's nothing like trumping someone else and looking right in their face and saying, nanny, nanny, poo-boo. You see, if you've ever played before and you were looking in your hand and you're sitting over here on the right, you might think, well, I've got a red 11. That should be a pretty good card. I think I'm going to play that red 11. I might, I might want win a trick if I play this 11. And with some sense of satisfaction, we throw that red 11 thinking, well, I can take all the threes and all the fours, all the sixes, all the sevens. My 11 will trump the lower numbers. And we kind of sit back and we just kind of wait to see what's going to happen. And then the person sitting next, they always, they just kind of look and they do this a few times, this a few times, and then they'll reach down and take this number 14. And they just kind of say, well, that's a point card, 14 is, and it's larger than your 11, so I'm just going to chomp you. And we think, man, this is great. And then the guy sitting around here, they just kind <clears> of, <throat> that was a good play. Man, I sure wish I had something that could beat that. I sure do. I don't know if I have something that can beat that or not. Well, on the other hand, maybe this red one being the high card of the trump will beat your 14 and your 11. Boom! Shakalaka! Woo! In your face! And all the time you're just sitting there, you're just waiting for all the celebration to end. You know, they've gone to the end of the end zone. They've jumped up with the fans. They've come out and got in front of the cameras. They're hoping to get on ESPN. Why? Because they played the high card in the trunk color, which is red. No card is higher in trump than the one. So they naturally would believe, I have won this trick. But then someone says, hey, don't celebrate too soon because I haven't played yet. Oh my, what have we here? Call! 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 It's crazy what 
what you do in the middle of the night in a hotel room in Belgium. Let me just tell you, Rook is not Trump. Rook supersedes Trump. Trump changes with every trick. So one trick, it might be red. The next trick, it might be yellow. The next trip, it might be green. But Rook is not Trump. Rook is the Rook. And it supersedes any card in the deck. So when all these little smart alecks think that they have won the day, oh, I thought I had it when I played my 11. I was certain that I had it when I played my 14. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was playing the highest trump card in the deck when I threw my one. But I failed to recognize that there is an authority greater than the highest trump color that I hold in my deck. It's the bird. It is the bird. And I've come by to tell somebody today that when the devil comes by your way and tries to discourage you and tell you that there is no hope for you and if you will trust him in his ways he will get you through I need to tell you today your hope is not in the devil your hope is not in Satan your hope is not in your spouse your hope uh, is not in any other thing but your hope uh, is in the one who supersedes uh, all other authority and other power and your situation is not over until God says it's over I don't know, I can just hear in my spirit the spirit of the Lord saying, listen to my voice because my voice is saying, call, call, call. I'm on my way. I'm bringing deliverance to you. I have authority over your sickness. I have authority over your emotions. I have authority over your disease. Have authority over your your um, spouse and and your emotions that go within your relationships. I have all authority and all power in heaven and on earth, and I can help you, and I can see you through. Aren't you glad that the Father that we love and serve today has all power? 